Hey friends, Father Kevin here. Just wanted to give a little heads up for the episode that you're about to hear. So it's an amazing conversation, and I think God's going to be able to use it to bless a lot of people. But at the same time, um, it does get into some of the nitty gritty, messy details about this individual's life. And um, it's certainly not suitable for children. And there could be some adults who perhaps um, aren't able to listen to the whole thing. But for those of you who are able to stick through the whole thing, you'll be able to find just an incredible testimony to the Father's great uh, mercy and love, uh, especially for the prodigal son. So hope you're able to listen all the way through, but just wanted to give this heads up. Hitting record. Well, since it's been recording for 20 seconds, so I'm... Really? Mine only says seven seconds. Well, hopefully there's not a major <laughs> lag, but we'll find out. Welcome well, back, I, everyone. <laughs> yes, welcome back indeed. Emma, I've got some great news for you. Oh, please share. I think we are on the verge of having a seltzer water company sponsor our podcast. What? So I've got oh. here Tapo Chico Mineral Water. It's carbonated and uh, our, our guest Tristan has brought it onto the show and this is the best carbonated mineral water I've ever had, even though I've only had one other kind. Um, so I think we should pursue um, sponsorship opportunities because this could become a big thing. I support. I, do they have pink grapefruit flavoring? Or is it just no, what, non- is it just what, normal flavor here? Or yeah, yeah, this is just. I think they have a lemon, and I think they have a lime. They definitely have a lime, but they may have a lemon. Ooh, I support this. So let's get on this. Except, I, I think it's worth it. Is it is it just out in the thumb area, or is this like a? I'm this. I'm showing my ignorance here. Uh, I think it's a big like, uh, Latin American thing. Oh. Yeah. Wait, can I see the bottle? Can you show me the bottle? That's I. I... Oh yeah, it, yeah. It says made in Mexico. Um, Ooh. But I I had never seen it before. Um, but then again, it it does look a little bougie. I usually just go with aluminum cans, and this is like a glass bottle. So this is like I'm not messing around anymore. We're we're making our way up in the world, and uh, yeah. So I I feel like this is not something I should be drinking in Lent. This feels a little not penitential enough. I was going to say, does that follow with your Exodus 90? You, you know, know, are you allowed to drink that? I I am, but there's just something, of, it just feels wrong. I don't know. The champagne of sparkling water. That's right. The champagne of sparkling water. There you go. Actually, while you say that, I'm going to get some sparkling water. Hold on. Please do. I know we're going really bougie over here with LaCroix, so cheers. <laughs> this was from Madison when she was on a couple of weeks ago. Perfect. What a perfect way to start out a podcast in Lent, talking about our bougies, bougie. sparkling mineral waters. This is great. All right, so but I'm going to charge you with uh, trying to get this sponsorship. Okay, right? I'll add it to my list of things to do. As, as one of the kids told me recently from the school... What do you have to do nowadays since there's nothing going on until Easter? <laughs> uh, kids say the darndest things. Right. And then you're like, oh, well, it's Lent. Let me tell you all that I'm doing. Are you sitting yeah. in your office right now? This is, is my right? office. Yep. Nice. It's cleaner than I anticipated, which is good. 
What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I clean. Yeah, I mean, I cleaned my office. Do you see? The yeah. table's clear. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, well, you have a guest with you, and uh, I'm going to let you introduce him because I'm just now meeting him virtually for the first time. So, other than email, one email, but. Yeah, so this is um, Tristan Webb. He's out here. He's at the parish that I'm at. And um, long story short, and we're going to get into the long story, but um, he will be getting confirmed on uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. So he was uh, born and raised Catholic, but he'll be getting uh, confirmed later on. So just wanted to welcome you, Tristan. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Yeah. So I thought I could maybe set the stage for the conversation because I... Um, I heard Tristan's story, and it's it's a beautiful testimony of um, how it is that God was has been at work in his life, and that's a huge part of this podcast, right? We go back to that verse from uh, Revelation. It says they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Um, and Tristan certainly has a, a testimony that just reveals um, the goodness of God, the depths of God's mercy. Um, so maybe I can kind of set the stage, and then I'll, I'll start letting Tristan share part of his story, but. Basically, how we crossed paths was uh, we were, I was at Mass one day, and it's a, it's a small town, so when somebody's new, you notice right away uh, in the pews, and so I, I saw this guy, it was the first time I'd seen him, and um, after Mass, we just talked a little bit, and he expressed that he had the desire to um, get confirmed, and I said, okay, great, let's uh, meet together over breakfast sometime, and um, just kind of talk about your story, where you're at, and kind of go from there, so... About a week later, he came to daily mass and we went out to breakfast and uh, I'm, I'm sitting down next to this guy. I'm having my eggs and bacon and a cup of coffee. And I am sitting across the table from this guy who has the words hate tattooed across his knuckles. And he's just talking to me about how the Lord has been at work in his life. And I was like, I love this gig. Like, I love being a priest that I just get to have breakfast with people and they, they can share their stories of what God's done. And um yeah, Tristan just launched into just the beautiful story about where all um, he's been in the past, what is it, 19, 20 years? How old are you? 20. 20, 20 years. Um, so I thought we could kind of have this conversation kind of like what we did over the breakfast table. And um, so Tristan, maybe just starting like chronologically, just going back, maybe where you grew up, where you're from, just some of the basics about like how many siblings you have, et cetera. And then as you start kind of going chronologically throughout your journey, um, I might just kind of pause you and ask maybe some clarifying questions. So hopefully that's enough of a lead in for yeah, you. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, well, I um, grew up kind of, you know, in the suburbs, Chesterfield, like New Baltimore area. But my dad was from up here. And, um, you know, I have a younger brother. Uh, his name's Bryce. And, uh, Really, uh, you know, it was pretty average uh, American childhood in the sense, you know, parents divorced young, um, kind of back and forth between that, you know, pretty, pretty normal, went to the same elementary school, but I moved up north after fifth grade, like near Lake City, kind of Cadillac area. And kind of at that point, I got more into to music. You know, first it was like Nirvana and then punk and then metal. And from there, you know, you get into some kind of a, you know, niche little 
area of music and you kind of get more alienated and you kind of put yourself in that situation. So then once you do that, you're looking at more extremes. And, um, you know, as I got more into metal, I got more into death metal and black metal, which is particularly um, anti-Christian. So after, at that point, I kind of already... So yeah, just when you say at that point, is this middle school, high school? Where, oh, where are oh we at right yeah, now? yeah, like sixth grade, seventh grade, you know. So still oh, really, okay. you know, really young, you know, like thirteen. Uh, you know, grew out my hair. Uh, you know, made metal jackets. Was obsessed with metal stuff, and you know, of course, we weren't going to church. I had been. I got my uh, first communion in like third grade. Stuff like that. And then, you know, from then on, we didn't, you know, we didn't go to mass or anything. My dad wasn't Catholic. My mom was, but, you know, she was busy with work and things like that. And, you know, raising us, which I'm thankful for. But, um, you know, so there really wasn't any stable foundation for that, you know. So I kind of drifted away. And as I'm getting more obsessed with that, you know, I'm looking things to for things to fill that void. And at first it was music. And, uh, you know, an obsession with that too, you know, it's just obsessive with extreme forms of music, everything, you know, extreme and dark, you know, and then, uh, as I kind of delve deeper into that, I, you know, this is about, I don't know, it's about 14. I was dating a girl from Australia and I went down there and I went down there once at 14. Then I went again at 15 by myself and stayed for a couple months and she was all in the metal stuff too. And, um, you know, I just kind of got more and more into extreme forms of thinking, too, along with that. You know, once you're getting to that, then you can't, you know, it's like a slippery slope. You know, you can't stop yourself. So, at first, I was into communism. So, I was obsessed with communism and, um, you know, any revolutionary ideal. And then I was like, well, you know, thinking of it from the opposite perspective then, it was still extreme. But then I was taking, becoming more racialized because I had a lack of identity, you know, so I became obsessed with the identity of whiteness, being white. And then as I got more into that, of course, you're in high school, you know, like, it's like freshman in high school and you're trying to bring that in. And I mean, you know, I was, I was obsessed with bringing that to people and like showing people and like, you know, trying to, uh, get people to think like me and kind of have confrontations. So I would go and just egg on the school and push the school and, you know, shave my head. And that was like, when I first got my, my first tattoos were on my fingers. I got runes, runes on my fingers. You got runes. It's like a pagan, uh, um, lettering from like the Norse areas. Okay. So, you know, I, I got into that and I was getting more into paganism, you know, which was, more like Nordic because as you get into racial thinking, then you're thinking, okay, well, if my whole identity is based on my race and my, you know, uh, whiteness, then I am going to have to, Christianity wasn't, you know, coming from the Nords, you know, it wasn't coming from the Germans. So I must find what they were believing in, you know, and then you get into that. And I just just want to pause because there's a lot of good stuff here, but there's just a lot. So I just want to, make sure oh, I'm tracking yeah. with you. So, yeah. so there was like the interest in communism mm-hmm. and then you have, <laughs> you, you keep talking about the, um, like the identity of whiteness. And I'm, I'm just curious, like, 
was there something that sparked that particular interest? Because I mean, we all, we all, if, if our identity isn't rooted, like first and foremost in God, then we find mm-hmm. other ways to root our identity in. And it can be as subtle as, you know, I am, you know, this sports team fan or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So wh- what was appealing about going down the route of like identifying so strongly with like a particular race, I guess? I think it was, uh, for one, it's easily identifiable, you know, it's easily identifiable and it's extreme and it's not liked by society. Once, you know, you're in the metal stuff and like whatever, you're already alienated from society. So, you know, it's not really a big step to, to um, move towards another alienated ideology, you know, mm-hmm. and you kind of almost like it, but then you claim to hate it, but you like it, you know, you like to be kind of an outcast and that's, you know, an outcast way of thinking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause everybody just thinks the neo-Nazis as skinheads with tattoos who roam around and beat people up, which is kind of how it is. You know, I mean, that's what, I subscribe to that's 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 part of what I was going to ask too in terms of the appeal because yeah obviously you grow up you go to high school you learn about World War II and it's yep. like Nazis are very clearly portrayed as the bad guys yep. so yep. then it's like what would motivate a young man to want to pursue that anyway is it either I think they were misunderstood and they actually have like good ideals or is it more like yeah, they were the bad guys and I don't care. I want to be a bad guy. Like what was, what was the appeal for you? Well, at first it was the, I want to be a bad guy. Cause I was a communist and I already denied the Holocaust. You and, know what I mean? Like, Hey, okay. Well, yeah. Well, if we can pause there, there's, <laughs> yeah. just, there's so much good stuff <laughs> yeah. here. I mean, um, so, so when you say the word communist, I mean, yeah. that, that, that can mean a lot of different things. Oh, so, yeah. um, I guess concretely, what did it look like for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. To, to, when you say I was a communist, like, what does that look like? I well, guess? that was like brutal, like brutalism, like Stalinism. Like, I was a fan of that. Like, I didn't like, like, liberalized, like, you know, all oh, these, you know, you know, oh, let's go love each other and be, you know, live in a free commune. It was more like state socialism where everybody's forced to do the will of the the nation, you know, so it wasn't a big step to go to another totalitarian ideology, you know, because, of course, when you're you don't have order in your own life and you don't have any spirituality, you're going to look for some outward form of, of order, too, as long as and, and as well as if you're already alien, you're already into weird stuff, you know, you're going to want it to be to be extreme. So then you can seem different. You know, it's another thing with the with the whole national socialism or Nazism, whatever you want to call it, getting into that is then you do look into the, you know, research into the topics and there is some, some stuff where it's like, okay, you know, you have to be honest and look at history and say, well, why did people do the things they did? You know, even uh, Pol Pot had reasons to do what he did, but you could still see that they're bad. But um, once you realize that, then you're like, okay, well, we were lied to on everything. And then you're, you know, I'm trying to justify everything to everybody. And, um, but really at the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily about that. You know what I mean? It wasn't really about whether or not it was true. It was just about identity, you know? Yeah, no, I'm really glad you said that. Cause, um, cause in my mind, I'm not assuming that, did you say you were in high school at this point? Yeah. Yep, so I'm yep. not assuming a high schooler is like sitting down next to a fireplace with, you know, a cigar and a, <laughs> you know, a, a, the champagne of uh, mineral carbonated water and is having these like in-depth philosophical, very abstract discussions. I mean, 
yeah. what, what you're what you're saying is like at the heart of it is like I want identity. I'm not mm-hmm. finding it anywhere else, and I want to do something extreme. Yep. And so it sounds like those are some of the underlying oh yeah sort of yeah. motivators of like what's going to make me want to pursue this. I guess yeah. And I mean anything I research because I did research. You know, I wasn't going into it ignorantly. But anything you research, of course, you're going to use it to to say, well, look at here. It's I'm right. You know, I'm right. So you can say it to anybody, you know, mm-hmm. and you can justify it to anybody. But at the end of the day, it was a wrong assumption based on history. It's a wrong historical viewpoint mm-hmm. because really their definition, their racial materialism leads to nowhere. You know what I mean? It's very sterile. Yeah. And then it's obsessive. And then you can't stop it. It's like you can't stop it anywhere because race is not a rigid form, you know, and they didn't understand that, you know, like to be in the SS, you had to have no colored blood back to 1750 or something, you know, and it's like this stuff is it doesn't make any sense because they had um, uh, in the SS Hitler's driver was like a quarter Jewish, you know what I mean? So if he was just blood Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. and he was so uh, biologically inferior, how could he even get to that point? Mm-hmm. You know, that's where it shows that it's more of a, uh, it blends into each other. You know, that's just how humans are. They just blends together. I mean, it's, there's different forms, but they blend together at the edges. Sure. You know what I mean? So, so, so kind of getting back to the, that image, it's like, you're, you're not merely having these philosophical abstract discussions like yeah. what did this start to lead into of like how you began to live your life practically oh, out of yeah. these ideals well when you have a disjointed political belief and it doesn't combine well with see the, the funny thing about it is that modern neo-nazis are not uh not national socialists national socialism died in 1945 when hitler killed himself that died after that you have people that want to emulate it. They want to do things and they want to be, um, you know, try and bring that back. But they can't because it's just an ideology that came from one group of people and that died. Mm-hmm. And when they're doing that, it th- there's all these different forms of it. So you see all these different things like, you know, I got more involved in the revolutionary, like, terroristic mm. groups. You know, and then you have groups that are like, okay, we want to revive, you know, the 1940s and we want to live in the 40s and we want to, you know, do this. We want to be traditional in this way, but we want to be racist and traditional. It's like, and we don't want to be religious. We want to be pagan, traditional. It's like, it, but then, so there's all these different avenues you can go down because it's up to anybody how you want to interpret it. So, you know? so when you say you went down like the, the terroristic route, I mean, is this, primarily an online community or did oh, you meet yeah. like in person for certain things or like how did oh. what did that look like well so at 15 i'm in school like sophomore now and i got expelled well not expelled kind of or i got suspended indefinitely for having a bullet belt you know and doing some stuff and going into school and just you know causing issues and um being confrontational with people, especially uh, other students. And um, then I'm doing online school and I moved up here. I moved here from up north. I moved to Bad X. And, you know, my family didn't really know exactly what I was doing. I mean, they kind of, you know, they were like annoyed that I did that. But, you know, they didn't really 
you know, know exactly where I was at. And I got involved in online communities, you know, and things like that. So then I got involved with some groups and I had a plan to have people move in with me. So I had a guy move in with me and we kind of just, you know, he's more of a friend. He wasn't that bad of a guy. Personally, that guy, the first guy that uh, moved in with me, he was an all right guy. We just trained and well, not train, train yet. Well, I'll, I'll get to that. But we, we were just, you know, hanging out like as friends but we shared this extreme ideology, you know? And then I had this other guy move in who he was in charge of this group that I had just joined. And this group was a pretty much a terrorist organization. It was, it's called the base, which means ISIS or um, which means Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda means the base. So it was modeled after this guy who was a, a CIA operative or contractor who modeled the group off of ISIS, like Al Qaeda kind of thing. So it's, you know, was um, networked. So you'd have these networking cells in different areas where you would train and, and, and do different things. And, uh, you know, I, and I got in, involved in that. And then it just, uh, I don't want to go into super into detail about, you know, exactly what was going on, but I'm just wondering, cause the, the only exposure I have for the most part is just what you see on headline news yeah, of like yeah. major rallies and stuff. I mean, is that what it looked like for you or was it mostly just with these three guys online? Or? Well, it was after, a, a, it was mostly online, but we did a lot of in-person training, you know, so we did a lot of training and, um, just obsession with, with a, uh, the fall of, American civilization and whether or not it wasn't like you were forced to like do anything terroristic, but it was very, very open to people who wanted to, you know what I'm saying? So that's what it, it, the cell organized. That's what it was organized to do was to um, have splinter offs. So then people could go splinter off and, and do their thing without having, um, any connection to the group itself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it was organized. And then we did, I was involved in some things, some illegal activities. And, and, you know, of course I didn't fully know the the gravity of the situation until afterwards, but, um, and I just, but at at that time, this was, I'm like, you know, 17, 18 now at that time, um, I'm just kind of getting more disillusioned just kind of, personally not being into it anymore maybe just the steam had run out and i also just felt a little bit guilty you know what i'm saying i'm doing more drugs now and i was um you know getting that's when i got the tattoos you know i gave these myself i gave hate across my knuckles i got a totem cough i had a swastika on my hands that means the death's head that was like with the ss and the camps you know they had the totem coughs on their their hats and I had racial holy war around my, on my, uh, under the totem cough mm. and swastika on my chest and might is right on my arm. Cause I was a Nietzschean mm. and, um, just, just a Kalva crowd over here, which was a Slavic swastika mm. and, you know, just, just all that. And I, you know, of course doing that, you know, you get hammered and, you know, you're doing that to yourself and, you know, most of the time I was using substances and trying to cope with the guilt, but especially the guilt over at that time, I stopped talking to my family. Um, we were just obsessed with training and, uh, I just knew I wasn't cut out for it. And then I started talking to this girl, uh, from new Orleans. 
I kind of just, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 3 a.m. I'm like, I got to go. I'm done. You know, I just got to leave. And this was my own house. You know what I mean? Like it was my own house. I could have kicked them out, but I was too afraid to, you know? So I just, I woke up and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I packed up my whole car. I just, the guy, you know, the main guy was getting up and he was like, what are you doing? It was like five in the morning. And I'm like, you know, I'm going, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. He's like, you know, kind of groggy. And I um, gave him my patch and I left, moved down to New Orleans and stayed down there for a while. That didn't work out. Just, you know, I was still in the mindset, but I was like kind of questioning things. And I was like not revolutionary anymore. And, you know, those guys got arrested for some other stuff. Then I was like, you know, just just in a weird place. And I finally moved back home to Michigan. And then I'm like, all right, okay, you know, I'm calming down. And then and this is how old it was. Oh, this was like 2021. So this is, I was like, you know, kind of moved a couple of years through. So, you know, I was like kind of involved in it for a while, you know, in that couple of years involved. And then kind of 2021, I came back, it was like April and I moved back to, I moved into Harbor Beach. I'm just like, you know, not involved in, 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 you know, anything, any groups or anything like that. I wasn't involved in that anymore. I was like, you know, kind of more of a pessimist because I kind of still believed in it, but I was like, not really a fervor for anything. I was just like, well, you know. I can't do anything about it, you know, whatever. And then I started working for uh, Integrate and, you know, Connie looked at, I, I go in for my interview and I have gloves on, you know, cause I, right when I came back, I bought, boxed up my swastika cause I was like, I need to get a job. You know, <laughs> I need to get a job. I dropped out of high school at that time because I was like, I'm just going to die in a, you know, a raid anyway. So who cares? And I'm like, I need to get a job, so I should probably box that up. And maybe I should wear gloves. And I go into the interview. And, and this is like what, July or something? It was it was like it was like uh May of 2021. So I was like, I go in there, I'm wearing these like uh cutout gloves, and Connie's it, she's like, What are you what are you wearing those gloves for? And I'm like, Oh man, I'm not getting this job now. You know? And I'm like, I take them off, and she's like, Oh, let me see that. And she's like, Oh. Well, you know, that's interesting, you know, like, I can't remember exactly what she said to me, but then she's like, and I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, I know it's like, you know, really ashamed of it. And she was just so welcoming and, and helpful anyway, you know, and then I got the job, you know, and then I started working and working and I had so many opportunities and she was teaching me stuff and I was learning all these things and I was just really becoming happy. And, uh, but then I got arrested in August of 2021 for what I did before in that group i because i i was about to go to work it was a wednesday i'm about to go to work i wake up and you know the, the um police are my dad's calling me and he's like he's lived lived downstate at this time and he's like the state police are looking for you i'm like what are they looking for me for what is what's going on and he's like yeah they're calling me and they're looking for you they want to know where you're at and i'm like well i'm at home i'm just about to go to work and he's like yeah i don't know and I, so i call him and they're like are you are you home? Where are you? You know, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm at my house, you know, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, whatever we're around. And then I go downstairs and they're at my door and they're like, you know, yeah, you're being arrested for this. And I was like, really? For the, I didn't even know, you know, like two years ago. You it was like a year ago. Yeah. So it was like a year ago. And I was like, oh man, really? Like, oh, you know, it's just like, you know, man, that stinks. Really, yeah. I didn't know how to react. And I'm like sitting there. Right. 
and Bomber, I get, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, and I get handcuffed and I'm like, all right, I'm going to going to jail, you know, and it's a weird realization to have when you're in a cop car and you're going to jail. And I mean, they were so nice to me though. I got to admit, like the police officers were so nice. The whole process, like I'll get into that, but everybody was so nice to me. I have to admit, like it's weird. So, but like whatever it was that they arrested you on when you were doing that, did you have the gut feeling at the time? I'm probably going to get arrested for this. Or did it not even cross your mind that this was going to be taken mm. that seriously? No, I didn't think it was going to be taken that seriously. Cause I, what I did was is cause I can tell you what, you know, what I did to get that is I went into, a, we went into this, like this one guy that was living with us was like, Hey, I saw this, um, this place. And, you know, I think it'd be really cool to go like look in it, you know? like maybe use it for some kind of training thing. And we we're like, okay, you know, so we took our guns. Of course we took our guns everywhere. So we always had guns on us all the time. So we had our gun safe in the car and we put the guns in there and then we, we head out for it. And it's in Carroll. And um, we had another guy with us and stuff like that. And then, you know, we're going in there, we're walking around and, you know, looking at all this cool stuff, we're planning out stuff and we're saying, oh, we could do this here. Oh, if the, you know, uh, if a revolution happened, we could go do this with that. We could train there or whatever. It was just, you know, uh, kind of, then we took these like jackets. There was all these jackets in there and we took all these jackets and stuff like that. Cause we just thought it's abandoned, you know, just stupid, just idiotic, you know, and of course it's police jackets, you know, so it's like impersonating a police officer kind of thing. Like you could use it for that. And that's, you know, just the dumbest, but anyway, so, you know, we're like, you know, thinking, oh, this is so awesome, you know, this is so cool, we're doing this, you know, so I thought at the time, like, of course, you know, you think that you're doing something wrong, you know, you're sneaking in, you know, whatever, you're going through a hole in the fence, and you're thinking, maybe it's a misdemeanor or something like that, or maybe it was, I don't know, but, you know, I didn't think that that was something I was going to get, you know, arrested for you know i just never thought about it because i so i thought, thought oh i'm good you know i didn't do anything crazy bad i can have a clean slate that's what i thought when i left you know i'm good i didn't do anything crazy i didn't go you know hurt anybody i'm good but then you know of course i get trouble and i'm like i understand you know you you know they wanted to break it up and that's understandable and uh you know they were just not the uh most congenial people you know <laughs> not the uh most upstanding citizens so it was understandable you know and uh and i wasn't you know but i wasn't resentful i wasn't angry about it you know because it's like it's not and my parents weren't angry about it because they were like you got out of that you know we're not mad at you it just sucks right you know so so did this result in prison or like what did it look like when you got arrested oh, so i you know i go i'm going to jail you know going to the jail in Tuscola, and the police officer i'm riding with is super nice you know just a nice guy and then they're all nice to me when I get in there, you know, like it was really cool actually. And I got my own cell like by myself, you know, cause I'm like holding and I'm like, you know, trying to see if I can get bailed out. And, you know, they just let me kind of chill. And at that time I just wanted to kill myself, you know, like that's, that's what you think of, you know, you're just like, okay, I want to kill myself and you don't have any, you know, spiritual beliefs. I wasn't Christian yet. And, um, then I call my mom and my mom's, you know, like it just, she's, this is how she is. You know, she's joking with me about it, you know, just to kind of lighten me up, you know. Was well, she going to bring you bread? Like she brings you <laughs> yeah, bread every yeah. week. She makes yeah. the best bread, by the way. Yeah, I got some here, but <laughs> to bring you. So, uh, 
yeah, so she, she was just, you know, joking around and whatever. And then I go to my arraignment and it's a $250,000 bond or bail, bail. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get bailed out. You know, I'm not going to get bailed out. Yeah. And I was like, and it was like, if you get bailed out, GPS tether, um, no internet access, all that stuff. And I'm like, oh man, you know, because I was, I was always playing video games and like hanging out, you know, using the internet for whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I go back to my cell and we had just, we were just about to buy a house. We were just about to buy a house in Forestville. And uh, my dad had just taken out some money, like $50,000 to put the down payment on the house. Mm-hmm. So he had $50,000 ready and it was a $25,000 bond, but it was non-refundable. Mm-hmm. So the bond, you know, you could do the you know, bail bondsman, do a $25,000 bond for a $250,000 bail. But the bail bondsman it doesn't want to lose that money, so you're not gonna, you know, you're you're not gonna break your your bond, you know, or else you owe the bondsman two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, so. so I'm a little ignorant on how that works. So when you talk about bond, like I know bail is like you pay this amount of money, yeah. you don't have to go to jail or whatever. But like, what what does it mean by bond again? So you have like a bail bondsman that you go through, and then he kind of like loans it. You know what I mean? loans it out for you so then you can you pay him and then he loans he, he pays for your bail to the bank kind of thing I, I think or to the court i think i think that's how it works so is it like no matter what the bail has to be paid and so one way of doing it is through the bond or yeah 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 i see thing. okay yeah okay so but it's, it's been a while since i've been in prison so i forgot <laughs> yeah, how it yeah. all works but yeah. uh, joking <laughs> <laughs> well you know luckily i never went to prison luckily but uh you know so you're, you're more hardcore than me but uh um so you know i go do that and then my dad you know i got out next day and guess you know what comes on there was a tv in my cell you know what comes on uh what um shawshank redemption no i'm not even joking shawshank redemption was on in there oh my gosh and i'm like oh man at least can i just can i just share something so shawshank redemption was recorded at the mansfield reformatory and uh Anytime I go to my parents' house, I have to drive right through Mansfield, and you look off to your left and you see it. So I feel like that's awesome. It's a little bit of home whenever we talk about Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Right, right. For different <laughs> reasons. Yeah. That <laughs> was like so. It's just interesting, you know. And I'm like, oh man. And um, so I, I come out. And I'm on bond. I, they put the tether on me right in the um the sheriff's office mm-hmm. and you know, everybody was great to me, but he's like, don't mess this up. You know, this mm-hmm. is what the, you know, um, bail Bonson says to me, he's like, don't, you know, you owe a lot of money. I've seen, he's like, Oh, there was one guy who couldn't even have it on for 24 hours. He tried to cut it off mm-hmm. and he couldn't even deal with it. And I'm like, Oh, I will not mess it up, please. I was so afraid. Mm-hmm. So and my lawyer was just like, you know, just no nonsense with me. He's just like, you know, don't mess this up. Don't be an idiot. You know, like you were going to have to do it this way. And, you know, so this is it. So, so it's no internet, but then they have that on you because you're only allowed to be in a certain yeah. area or like yeah. just your house or, well, you're obviously not just your house because you're walking around, you're working and stuff. So like what? Yeah, it was like you could go. So I was so paranoid. Probably Connie was probably, you know, my boss was probably just like so annoyed with me because I was so paranoid. You know, I was obsessively paranoid about setting it off. Right. So I'm like, you can only go to work. And you can go home. That's it. Go to work and go home. 
And I was so afraid of breaking that, that I would, um, I would call them at first. I just call them before I go into work. I'd call them. I'd be like, Hey, I'm going into work. And then they'd be like, and then after a while, after like a week of doing that, they were like, you don't need to call us. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I just go and work. And then, you know, I just would never do anything else. And if I ever did anything else, I'd, I'd be like, you know, just sit there like freaking out, you know? And, uh, Eventually, you know, of course, when you're kind of in a in that state where you got no internet, you can't use you know any, any entertainment, you got no access to you know that sort of thing, and you for one, you you realize how much people use it, you know, because you can see everybody else. You're like, man, I. What well, the biggest thing for me was like, man, I want to know like where where did mustard come from? You know, <laughs> when you're like when you get in the Wikipedia rabbit holes, you're like, where did where did sparkling water or how did that happen right. you know and you're like thinking you're like, man i want a ton of encyclopedias now you know <laughs> and i would ask my mom like can you order me some encyclopedias like or something i need something to so i can have when i have these questions like look it up but um yeah so you know and i was dealing with that for about a, about a year it was almost actually just one day less than a year and then i went to my um sentencing because I was found, you know, I pleaded no, I think it was no contest to larceny, weapons charge, conspiracy to commit a civil disorder. So I'm a felon in those things. And, um, and that was how long ago? A year that ago? That was about or? a year. Well, yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, a year ago. Okay. So August of, well, almost a year ago. Hmm. August of 2022. Okay. All right. So pretty, pretty recently, you know. Sure, sure. And, uh, and I'm in the courthouse. And I'm thinking, and this is when I'm getting, I'm getting more into Buddhism, more kind of like looking into that, you know, kind of like, you know, being more, you know, getting on the steps near, you know, calming down a lot. Well, can I, yeah, real quick, just to pause there. So I, I just want to like, there's, there's must've been something happened in you where it's like, I want to pursue something religious yep. because I went from yeah. no religion at all. So then what opened you up to any religion, even if you're going to start out with Buddhism, like what, what happened in that little, like. Was it all the time that you spent alone and like the yeah. quiet? Did that do it? Or like what, what led you to start even pursuing something like that? Well, when you're in a situation kind of where you're thinking you're going to go to prison for, you know, however long, you know, at least jail. I was thinking of jail for a year. That was almost guaranteed because I took this little test thing and they said, okay, they rec- the computer recommended me to go to jail for a year. Hmm. So that was almost definite. And, um, and I was like, look, I'm like, I'm suffering, you know, so I need something. What is, what talks about suffering, you know? And of course I was still like, you know, iffy about Christianity, whatever. I didn't really know. I was like, I don't know. You know. Well, real, real quick at that point, I mean, what was your impression of Christianity? Was it just be nice to people, whatever? Or like, what was your perception of like what the main message of Christianity was that led you to think, well, I don't want to pursue that. Well, when you're a neo-Nazi, you can either take it to Jesus as an Aryan um, white warrior. So you can have that viewpoint, which is what some Nazis did, which is called positive Christianity. If you look into it, it's very dumb. But so they think the Jews were white and Jesus was literally talked about how the Jews racialism was, you know, when he said I could raise, you know, uh, children of Abraham from stones, you know, so like that, like doesn't matter or seed of Abraham. But, um, uh, so either you go down that path where you're obsessed with blood and then Jesus becomes white 
or you view Jesus as just a Jew, hmm. you know, that's kind of, I was like, okay, he's just a Jew. It's just Judaism with, you know, niceness. You so, know? so you're saying that a big part of what led you to not go down the path of Christianity at that point had to do still with these different like race ideologies. Yeah. Like, that yep. was the main barrier. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was still involved, but I was more calm, but I was like, you know, like, trying to weigh that because i was like i don't know you know i mean he's jewish you know i can't you know believe in a jew you know like i can't you know jews are evil and bad and then you know the other way it's like okay or he's aryan and he's you know like just a, a white warrior god you know so it's like which way do you you know you go with that and i just didn't really know you know and of course he'd bounce back and be like okay that's all right all right so you know between the two mm-hmm. and then um you know, I was calming down more and I was getting more into like realizing, okay, there's some suffering and okay, I'm not in control of my own. My will to power doesn't matter, you know, because somebody's always going to be stronger than me. And that's just real quick. That's raising the flag in my mind. Is that that's Nietzsche, right? That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, will to power. yeah. Maybe just explain that briefly. So it's like, you know, your will to, to dominate your will for power is what's important. You know, the driving force of humanity is the will to dominate. You know, and then that's why his viewpoint on Christianity being bad was because it's a slave morality, you know, so the slave morality inhibits the strong from dominating as they should. Mm -hmm. But there's no morality to that. And he actually went against morality and said morality is man-made, whatever. And, um, you know, went against morality and said that morality inhibits that and we need to destroy, uh, you know, destroy reality and then morality and then come up with this thing. And of course, I wasn't obsessed with that because I still believed in morals. I just liked with Nietzsche, I just thought, okay, the power thing, like not power, power is in like, but personal overcoming. So that's what I was thinking of it as. Like I was taking it at that point, I was taking it like as the personal overcoming of your own issues, you know, like I'm overcoming the world, you know, the world's bad or whatever. And I'm pre- that's how I took it. You know, that's my interpretation of it. Okay. So I was more obsessed with that, not the anti-Christianity stuff of Nietzsche. Some people are just to clarify that. Sure. So, um, and, and from that point, I'm like, okay, well there's, you know, I'm not in control of, of my own destiny, you know? So there's gotta be something higher. And then at this, so then I'm at the, the court and this is in that August. And then I get, they said, the judge is just like, I'm going to defer your jail sentence because I, you know, I just gave my, you know, my statement and I was excited. I accepted it. I literally accepted. I was like, I am okay with going to jail. You know, I accept it. You know, if that's what I need to do, I, I accept it now. You know, I was like at peace about it. And then she says, Oh yeah, you're, you know, I'm going to give you this chance, but you have five years probation and, or more. I don't even know. It could be seven years. I don't know. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter to me now, but, um, uh, she said, you could have this probation. You're going to have this probation. You have all these, you know, these guidelines. If you come in here and you just like, we're getting drunk, I'm throwing the book at you. You know, like it's, I'm not playing with you. You were given, you get this one chance. And I was just like, whoa, you know, cause I, I was thinking I was going to jail. You know, I was totally expecting to go to jail. And then I leave my tether gets taken off and like, yeah, the first thing I do is I call Connie. I'm like, hey, you know, like, 
I got it off. You know, it's crazy. Like, cause she, she had known she'd been dealing with me being paranoid and anxious about it for a year, you know, trying to work. And then like, okay, I got to be home and oh, and you had a charge for an hour. So when you're on this tether, you have to sit there in one position and it's like a magnetic charger and you have to put it in and it cannot move and come out. Like it cannot come out or they will call you. They will call you and say, Hey, why are you charging the wrong way? You're going to break that battery. So, you know, you're, you're, you're like sitting there, like still just trying to have it sucked an hour every day. And you could kind of change it like by going in 30 minute increments to change it to be later. Mm. But I would still, sometimes I'd work really close to that time and I'd be like, Oh man, you know, I got to get home. I'm sorry, but it sucked. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I was free and my dad was like, that's God, you know, mm. I was like more open to it now. Cause I was like, well, I can't deny that, you know, <laughs> I can't deny mm. that. Mm. And my dad was saying to me, you know, okay, I want to do a Bible study with you. And he said, okay, because he was praying about it. And he's like, if you, you know, he was asking God, he's like, God, if, if, um, you know, if he's free, then I'm not going to do these things personally. So it helped him get over some things. Cause he promised that he wasn't going to do certain things, you know, like, uh, just, you know, just the simplest stuff, like, you know, not drink anymore or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And then also, I, you know, I'm going to have Bible studies, you know, and that's what we started doing. And then he's like, and I was like, still kind of iffy about it. And he says to me, says, if you're going to, if you pray every night for a month and you feel nothing and nothing happens, then I will never bother you about Christianity ever again. And I was like, okay, all right, you know, easy. Then I don't have to hear, you know, <laughs> any more lectures about it, you know? Right. And I was like starting to do it. And then I started to listen to the Bible, an audiobook more. And I was already kind of listening to it before, you know, but I was like trying to like go, nah, 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 you know, like nitpick things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I like have these notes and I'd be like, I don't know, you know, in the Old Testament, I'd be like trying to disprove things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I get to the New Testament. And this is at the same time he tells me the prayer thing. And then I'm like, okay, I was wrong. That's all I, I just, I was like, I was wrong. I know this is true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I didn't even know how. I just was like, this is true. Because I was hearing Jesus. And I was literally remember exactly where I was. I was working on a garage. I was working in a garage. And I'm like listening to, what was he talking about? It was in Matthew, of course, you know. And I'm like, he's just going through parables and things. And I'm like, oh. Wait a minute. No, it was in Luke because it was after he was talking about um, uh, Elizabeth. Or oh, he, uh, Mary's cousin? Yeah, okay. yeah. And like after he was like, um, and then it was going from there to, to Jesus's parables and stuff like that. And then I was, I was like, okay, hmm. all right, this is true. Wow. And then it was really hard for me too because I felt like an idiot. You know, it's like, you know, I wait, wasted how many years trying to, you know, go my own way. And I have to, so I'm like, uh, this is very, you know, it was like crazy, you know, it was like a really big feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, where do I go from this? You yeah. know? Can I pause real quick? So mm-hmm. um, I want to ask if at this point you have like a different way of looking at Jesus because you were saying before, yeah, if you yeah. use the image of like a pair of glasses or something like the lenses through which you were seeing Jesus was through this whole race thing. Yep. But now 
had you taken those lenses off and oh, you started yeah. to see him? Like, how did you start to see him with a new set of lenses? Well, because from there, it was like, at first you're thinking like that, you know, and then you realize, okay, it's more than biology. You know, it's more than something that's just flesh. You know, there's something real here that speaks to actual rationality and truth. And it makes sense. You know, it was concise. Hmm. And they're like, okay. Well, that doesn't spring about from who you were born to because how could these, you know, profoundly not only, you know, religious truths come out of, you know, this area in the Middle East that, you know, is just a, a vassal state of Rome. How could, you know, you know what I'm saying? And then these, these from these, you know, people, shepherds and fishermen, you know what I mean? Some of the most profound prose and, uh, you know, of course, in Psalms and stuff like that, but also just in the New Testament, all these profound ideas and, and um, just the fact that such a powerful figure, and I'm trying to say it in more secular terms, you know, as I was thinking, you know, this is where, where it changed from as a powerful figure came and then, you know, you realize, I'm sorry, it's hard to explain in a word, you know, it's hard to explain exactly how, how you your viewpoint changed because it goes from totally one extreme to the other. Yeah, oh, sorry. But um, evolved. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You could throw that away because you're like, okay, that's an ignorant viewpoint. It's now mm-hmm. a viewpoint based on rationality. I guess that's the most, the best way I could say it is it's rational, you okay. know, a rational logos, you know, it's a mm-hmm. rational viewpoint, all encompassing. It's universal. That's what I was trying. Okay. It's a universal thing. It's a universal thing. He's not, you know, his flesh doesn't matter. He could have been born to an, uh, an Egyptian or to a German. Or, and this message would still be the same because he is the son of God. Mm. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's where you realize, okay, he's the son of God. So it doesn't matter where he's born to. You know, it doesn't matter how he's born. Well, it, you know, it does, but you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter where he's, what people he's born to. It's the central of what he's, what he's saying and how he's redeeming us. Mm. That's what, that's what I realized. Okay. Okay. You know, it was before that you're thinking in historical, biological and cultural terms and you never, I never even read it. So how, how would I know? Mm. You know, I never even read it. Yeah. And, and maybe just, I, I would want to say that there's significance and um, an importance of the fact that he did come into a particular race. Oh and that yeah. He, yeah. That yeah. he does take flesh that he's born into a Jewish heritage. He gets his DNA from like a Jewish woman. So yeah. it's like those, those things it's, we don't want to say that they like don't matter. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, th- I think maybe what you're starting to see is like, um, like the negative connotations of those things yeah, that's are starting I mean. yeah. to fall away. Yep. And you see that not only has he taken flesh in this particular way, Mm-hmm. But he is also universal. Is that's that what I'm saying. That's what, I, yeah, okay. that's what I mean. I'm sorry. It's hard to. I, I get paid for... the big bucks to make you look <laughs> yeah. good. So it's, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say is that it's a universal truth. It's... So I had, I had a question it, to kind of go off of what Father was saying, you know, the, the difference lens, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you said something when you were like dabbling with like Buddhism, right? In this, this sense of uh, like personal overcoming. Uh, of your issues, right? And yeah. as you're reading then the Gospels and you're reading the Old Testament, how 
like how did your view shift of that right this it was we, you talked about suffering right yeah. how did it start to shift from this sense of like i have to overcome my personal issues to recognizing jesus is the one yeah. that's that started that, that jesus is the one that really gives me the strength gives the grace to overcome these that we overcome them yeah. with jesus right so how did that kind of shift within you well, that didn't really, so I still had that personal overcoming idea more, like thinking that I had to do it, you know, and it was all on me, even until I started talking to Father Kevin, because I didn't really understand grace. You know, I didn't even know exactly what that was, because I had never looked into it, or, you know, actually understood it when I heard, you know, Paul talk about it. I, I didn't really know what he was talking about, because my, you know, so I'm like, Talking to Father Kevin, I'm like, you know, then he tells me, what do you think grace is? So, I'm saying, oh, it's probably when you're, you know, praying, that feeling you get, right? You know, you're just kind of more, you know, at peace or whatever. And then, he, you know, he tell, tells me, you know, no, it's this, it, the, um, what'd you say? It's like, a, not a power, for, is it a power from, a gift from? It's it's like basically God's presence and his yeah, strength yeah. at work in you is yeah you can make it more complicated but that's the simple way of yeah yeah see i can't i can't ever put it into the precise uh terms i always go around and then i get to the precise terms after i've gone around a million times but um so then i i hear about it and i'm like whoa well that makes sense you know it's not all just through my own um abilities you know i need god to be able to do anything you know and i need to accept have my will and the will of god conform you know mm-hmm. or else you know it's not just on me i can't i can't because then i'm you're thinking in this ter- way of okay i can become perfect on my own kind of way right. or i can become perfect i just need to believe in god but I can become perfect. So that's what I was trying to do. So I was so hard on myself. I was so obsessed and I couldn't do anything. And I was like, why can't I, you know, overcome anything, you know? And that was really, uh, really profound for me. So. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I mean, these are, these are truths and mysteries that we're diving into our whole life long. And so something that I see in you, Tristan, is like you've said, all these different stages of your life, you've always like gone to the extremes yep, and you want to yep. be all in. And it's like, you're starting to feel this fervor for the faith, but you're starting to realize that I want to be all in. I want to be a saint, all these different things, but you're realizing that it involves recognizing your own poverty oh, and yeah, limitations. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. like, it's got to be God's grace and and you cooperating with his grace yeah, to make exactly. that happen. So I've got to imagine that's got to be like, kind of humbling to have your drive, yeah. but then to realize, but it's not all on me. In exactly, fact, yeah. the very fact that I want to become a saint is itself a grace that was initiated from God that I can't even take credit for. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, you know, just thinking, man, I, I do not know what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of time I'm just like, you know, you think you know what you're talking about and you're like, okay, I, you know, I watched, I watched this thing or I read this thing and I could talk about this here. And somebody goes, brings this up over here. And they're coming at it from this. And I'm like, I cannot explain. I can't explain it, you know, because then you even dive into that. And then, oh, man, I understand this concept now or this thing. And then somebody over here tells you something, you know, and you're like, oh, why? Well, I have no idea about that either, you know. And it's like, 
that's why I keep buying all these books where I'm like reading all these things and like watching all these videos and stuff. And I'm like, I'm learning new things every day. And I realize I'm not going to be able to learn everything in my lifetime because there's so much, even just the early church fathers, it's like, you know, volumes just in volumes. It's just, it's wonderful. You so know? maybe to go back real quick to the past and then oh, catch yeah, us up yeah. to the present. So you're talking about listening to the gospels in particular. Yeah. There's just something when you're listening to it that it's like, this is true. Yeah. Um, so what happens between then and when I see you at that mass and we have that oh, conversation, yeah, yeah. Any, anything else? Or? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's sorry to jump That's forward. Okay. I just, right. uh, you know, um, so yeah, yeah. I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is true. Don't really know exactly how I'm getting there, but I'm not having doubts anymore in the sense of doubting against it. I was just having difficulties with things. And by it, you mean like Christianity okay, and um, the truth. And I was like trying to guide my way through it, you know, and I'm like reading things and I'm talking with my dad about stuff and he comes through it from it with a, a Bible study viewpoint. And, um, you know, we're going through that, you know, like going through stuff and I'm like, okay, you know, like some things don't make sense yet, but I'm willing to, to, you know, to do it, you know, I'm willing to try. And then, um, you know, just for a couple months, we were just kind of researching and stuff. And then I, you know, I'd wanted to come to church. I can't remember what day it was. I saw people were walking in and I kept telling my dad, I was like, I really want to go to mass sometime just because why not? You know, because at that point I wasn't like against Catholicism. I'm like, Is this the church you, you grew up in? Because you, you were baptized, you received First Communion, mm-hmm. but was that downstate? That was downstate, okay, yeah. So you that had was never downstate. been no. in this church before? No, I had never been here. I gotcha. uh, I'd never been over here. Of course, you know, uh, I'd heard a lot of, and I would, um, you know, be o- around here all the time, mm-hmm. but I'd never been in there. My grandparents go whenever they come up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, I really, I really should. And then, you know, I didn't have an excuse to do it for a while. And this was like December. And then in January, my grandparents come up and they're like, hey, we're, you know, and I was like, are you guys going to 430 Mass? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then I was like, I'll go with you, you know. And then I go in and I'm like, well, for one, it's beautiful. You know, it's just a beautiful place. You know, it's just a beautiful church. Mm-hmm. And then I like, I was just praying and I was like, whoa. You know, I just had forgotten all about it. And of course, when you don't pay attention to the mass as a kid, you don't, don't, you don't appreciate it. But then once you pay attention to it as when you're growing up, it's like, whoa, you know, you're hearing readings and you're like, you just got like, to think about it and you're resonating. You're like, okay, yeah. And then you, you know, see all these things. You don't fully understand what they mean. I still, I'm still researching stuff. And I'm like, I don't fully exactly have everything memorized yet, but I'm just like taking it all in. And then I was like, I was like literally almost crying and um, it was just very emotional. And I didn't even feel right to go up and have communion. And I was like, I just, I was, so I was just sitting there and praying and praying and then walking out. I just wanted to talk to you. And I was like, we, I, I, I need to do it. You know, I need to do it. And um, from then on, I've just been researching and, you know, I'm still, you know, I still mess up all the time, you know, I still have difficulties or things I'm not good at, you know, I'm, but uh, I'm just trying, you know, mm-hmm. and trying. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say something, but then my thought disappeared. So if you have something, oh. <laughs> go well, ahead. I, I was just going to say, so um, we talked about how one of the things 
we've talked about that has really kind of pumped you up was the mm-hmm. whole topic of grace. Oh yeah, yeah. Has there been other things? Cause you, you are the other, the other thing too, that I, I love is that like, after we had our basic talk about grace, you come back the next week and you're like, yeah. So I was reading what St. Thomas Aquinas wrote on grace. And I was like, what? Like <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. heavy hitter, right? When it comes to theology and you're like, yeah watching these videos from the Thomistic Institute on like instrumental causality and stuff, oh, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is awesome. You just don't see that with very many people who um, I, I, the church kind of talks about how there tends to be three main ways that people tend to like get drawn into the church, whether it's uh, beauty or goodness. And I think it's very obvious with you, like the desire for truth and yeah, like reason yeah. is, is a big kind of fire that's under you. And so like, what are the other things maybe like in your studies on your own or from our conversations where you've been like, this is uh, this is really like powerful or, or just like an interesting topic or something. Well, the mass itself, like understanding all of the, the, the history of the mass was really, cause I, I gotten the last supper on wood and my cousin, she, she used like a CNC grinder and she grinded out the, and then I have the last supper on like a rug form in my room. And I have all these things, the last supper. I'm like, why do I love this so much? And I'm like, well, it's a, you know, Eucharist, you know, it's a math, the first math, you know, like Eucharist. And, um, I was like, okay, I need to research this more. And I really have been obsessed with researching that. Like I'm going through onto the hollow app, the, um, biblical, history of the mass or biblical Roots, walk of the mass like walk through of the mass yeah. yeah so it's like and you're listening to how they, these things and you're like whoa you know even just the sign of the cross and how much history that has and uh the apostles creed and and all these different things and um it's just crazy mm. it's crazy and then just all these different aspects and uh, focusing on the rosary too like i was really it was really hard for me to do the rosary at first, because I couldn't reflect on the mysteries at the same time, because I didn't fully know everything. I'm looking at this pamphlet and I still look at the pamphlet for the mysteries, you know. I finally have the sorrowful mysteries memorized, but you know, it's like uh you know, you're still going through that stuff and that's been really interesting to look into and um kind of just tons of different different stuff. I've been going back and forth between different things and especially grace and especially um you know, because some people are like, Oh, well, what if a priest's bad? You know, and what if, a you know, that's why I looked in the instrumental causality is like, what if a priest is bad or what if a priest does this or what about these things? And it's like trying to find answers for that, you know, and say, okay, well, no, it doesn't matter what he does because he's just the, you know, uh, an instrument mm-hmm. of God, you know, of God. That's all, he's, you know. You know, as as I'm listening to your story, you know, whether in the moment you realize th- those moments of grace or not, I was taking some notes and I, wow, that's a moment of grace, right? Like there's the Lord, right? I, I, when you talked about that, you woke up the one more, you just started feeling guilty. And like, I just, I got to leave, right? Yeah. I, talk about like a moment of grace right there. Um, yeah. Or when you were, you moved down South, was it New Orleans? Is that where you moved? Where did you go? Yeah. yeah okay. Yep. And then you moved back like the moment of grace, right? And I was reminded of, I love the catechism and father will even tell you that I'm a big liturgy nerd. So anytime you want to talk about the mass or anything liturgy related, (laughs) I will gladly do that. Uh, But in the very first paragraph of the catechism, this is what I thought of when you were sharing your story where it says, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself and a plan of sheer goodness freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. 
Mm-hmm. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. And then this is the part that really got me. He calls together all men, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. Right. And I it just like hearing your story progress has like he's calling you back, right? And even in paragraph 27 of the catechism, it says that the desire for God's written on the human heart. Mm -hmm. And that even if you were not searching for God, you were desiring something that only he can fulfill. And that's why when you said you jumped into reading St. Thomas Aquinas, I wasn't surprised. It's like, well, you were one, you know, on one end of the spectrum extreme, like (laughs) we're going to go to the extreme in the other end um, and learning about the Lord. So that was just those moments of grace um, through your baptism, right? That the Lord was mm-hmm. constantly just saying, hey, Tristan, I'm here. Like, this is who you seek, right? Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that was just those moments of grace. Mm. So good. Well, it's true. I mean, I never like, and then you realize it looking back. And that's why, you know, I got obsessed with extreme things was, I just was trying to fill this God-sized hole and I'm like, you know, there's, you had to go to the most extreme things to do it. And then, but I was never happy. You know, that was the main thing is I was never happy with it. You know, there was always something you're always trying to justify your sin and, you know, and sin just darkens the mind, you know, so you're, you know, getting on these weird things and you're like thinking this is going to make me happier. This is going to make me content or this is going to give me purpose. And just none of it did. But now, you know, I'm happy in the the simplest things, you know, it's like I enjoy work a lot more because my boss, she's, she's, and really I haven't mentioned it enough, but she's one of the main reasons I was able to, to come back to it because she was always a great example for me. And, you know, we're like a Christian company and she's Catholic and she goes, you know, to Vass here and she's like, you know, providing this great example for me and she's, you know, telling me about things like we were, you know, I remember we were driving by a, a, a cemetery and she's telling me about the Holy souls and she's going on these different, telling me all about these different things. So it's just a lot of that was coming in at the same time. And I was like, Hmm, you know, pondering things like that. And then just seeing her example and how helpful she was to me and how understanding she was through the whole process. And um, that's why she's my sponsor. Cause it's like, it just, uh, she was just very helpful throughout everything. I actually just went to mass the other day. Like we went, you know, I had a test to take because I had my G I'm work. I just got my GED. So I just finished that nice. on Thursday. Cause I had, you know, dropped out at 17 and thought I was cool. You know, just got that finally. And, um, before that, uh, we went to mass in Caseville. So we went to see father George and um he was the previous priest here oh yeah he was the previous priest here and he was just a just a nice guy you know and of course i wasn't going to mass at that time so he didn't know me from that but i would see him around and talk to him when he was talking to connie just a great guy and um we went up there and we had mass and it was wonderful and then went down to my um test and i mean who gets to do that you know who has that great relationship with their boss you know it's just such a wonderful thing you know and so i'm just happy to where i work i'm just happy where i live and have all these people who are super understanding and nice and everybody, you know, they never, nobody ever looked at me. Like when I walked in, you know, came to mass or talked to anybody, you know, like I joined the lions club and whatever. And like, when I talked to anybody, they weren't looking at me like, Oh, he's just like, you know, 
a, a thug or a thief or, you know, some degenerate, you know, like how I looked at myself. And um, I don't know, just gave me a lot of respect and love. And that's all I felt. And uh, now I'm working on getting cover-ups. So I've got the hates crossed out and then I've got love across the knuckles instead. And I would definitely recommend anybody not to get tattoos if you don't have them or if you haven't thought about it for a very long time. But if you have tattoos that you don't like, cover them up with Christian tattoos because that's what I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. everything. Actually, I have an appointment tomorrow too, getting might is right covered up tomorrow. So I have like three quick last words, I guess. Um, so the two things are just two particular reasons why I'm like really excited for you, Tristan. The one of them we've talked about before about um, I really think God's going to be able to use you to help you know, evangelize others by sharing your testimony and just, it's, it's a story ultimately of God constantly pursuing you in his mercy and in his grace. Um, so I'm excited for uh, people to be overwhelmed by God's goodness in that way. Um, the, the second thing that I'm excited for you to continue exploring is the theme of identity. Oh yeah. Cause you yeah. mentioned earlier that getting into these ideologies um, at the heart of it was like kind of searching for this identity. And now you're talking about how like, these people that you've encountered have not seen you as the thief, the thug, the degenerate, all those things that you could be tempted to base your identity off of. And so now to be like in a community, the church where your fundamental identity is a beloved son of God, the father, Mm -hmm. like that's going to open up just like a ton of doors for you. And like, I'm excited how you grow into uh, receiving and like entering more and more into living out that um, identity in the church. So that was the second thing. Third thing, maybe last thing I'll say, depending on how this goes is just, um, I would like you f- to go into detail about what's happened with your tattoos because for oh. me, I mean, I almost want to at some point use this in like homily or something about yeah. how God, because you had talked about like, I got all these crazy stuff and like, would the church be okay if I didn't go through the expensive, painful process of removing it and instead like turn it into something religious. And I was like, yeah, like that's, that would be understandable. And so what, what I love about your tattoos now is that it's symbolic of the fact that God does not wipe out and annihilate our past as if he's like ashamed of it or as if it has no value whatsoever, but he instead uses our past and brings about something even more beautiful out of it because he's that creative divine artist, right? Yeah. So would you mind sharing like what each tattoo was and what it is now, because I just find that very fascinating, that transformation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so actually when I came in, I said, I just came to the tattoo place and I'm like, not knowing, you know, exactly what they were specialized in or not, you know, just kind of, I was actually really lucky that the guy actually could do cover-ups. And I said to him, I'm like, you know, I just want to get all this stuff removed. It's going to be a lot of work because I have tattoos all over my body, you know. It's going to be a lot of work, but I want to get all of this covered up with with Christian Catholic tattoos. And he's like, okay, you know, challenge accepted kind of thing, you know. And he just got off the, just, I don't know, just has the sacred heart over the swastika and, um, you know, gets that going. And then he put a cross behind, which is what my kind of idea was, a cross behind the skull, to kind of leave the skull because, you know, it's so ingrained, so it would be hard to cover up with other things. But but it would be like a, for one, the momentum mori thing, which you're talking about, is like the reminder 
that we're going to die. And that's why I really wanted to go to Ash Wednesday. And I was like uh, super excited for it. But, you know, of course, there was that big snowstorm and I wasn't able to make it. But uh, and then the, the cross kind of rising behind it, you know, like kind of I almost wanted to have it break through it. But maybe that's a little. Well, well we talked we talked about, too, about how Jesus is crucified on the mountain yeah. called Golgotha, which is uh, is a Hebrew for place of the skull. And, um, and the, the tradition is that that's where like Adam was buried. And so you see an iconography, like the blood of Christ dripping down from the cross and like entering into the skull of Adam. So it's like, um, on Holy Saturday, when Jesus is going all the way back to like our first parents sins and bringing them redemption. So for you to have like the skull and the cross there together is like another layer of symbolism. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Father, you should introduce him to the homily on Holy Saturday from the Liturgy of the Hours. Oh, it's my favorite. I will. Continue. I will. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, what else? So, I got, so the, it's mostly just hand stuff right now. And then this one, of course, is um, Calvary, like Mount mm-hmm. Mount Calvary. Is mm-hmm. that exactly? Okay. Mount, and then. Um, oh, what it, what it used to be? It used to be a Kalvakrat, which is a Slavic, pan-Slavic symbol, because I'm like partially Polish. So it's a pan-Slavic, like Russian nationalists use it and Polish nationalists use it. So it's like a pan-Slavic, but it's called the Slavic swastika Mm -hmm. and it's from Slavic paganism. Mm -hmm. So I had that on and, um, and it's been transformed to Mount Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he has it like as the, the part, the, um, the little, I don't know if we call them wings or like little parts of it, you know, he made in the steps for the, um, the path. Mm -hmm. Mm. he's like the path is leading you to you know to christ wow. and then he put white behind the the cross and has it, and he's gonna do a, some touch-ups but it's really cool and then i have love across my fingers instead of hate backwards and forwards is love and then they just need to be touched up a little bit because they faded a little mm-hmm. but um yeah that's what i got going on right now and i'm gonna get the might is right is gonna be covered up with a sword going through a serpent and that'll be going on tomorrow and then maybe Mary here. I don't really know yet. Well, that that was what I was struck by when you said that was going to be turned into Mary. But what, what's the original symbolism behind that one? That is a fascist, which is uh, the fascist symbol. Okay. And that is the, it's like, even the U.S. government, We you know, most governments inspired by Rome use that symbol because it's like many together make one strong, mm. you know. Uh, yeah, many together make one strong. So it's, you know just a bundle of sticks tied together and then with a ax head. And now that's going to be the blessed mother. That's yeah. just so cool. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that uh, that's, and then I'm going to get, what I'm going to get here is I'm going to get a couple, I have a slot, uh, swastika on my chest. So I'm going to get that. It's not big. So I'm going to get crosses there, cover that up. Cause I tried to do an SS thing over here and um, those are going to be covered up. And then I have a giant tattoo on my leg which I don't know how he's going to work that out because it's just black boxes. Like it's a big odal rune. So hopefully he can work on that with something. I don't know yet, but uh, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. It'll be. Cool. Well, I was just going to say, uh, Tristan, this has been great. Uh, and I was wondering maybe uh, if you would be interested in coming back for like a part two. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I wanted to second what Father Kevin said about the concept of identity. And I think mm-hmm. 
that if you're open to it, uh, that we maybe dive into that, especially as you get closer to receiving confirmation yeah. and just like as you grow in your faith, how has this identity transformed, right? Yeah. Um, because I've noticed it in your story, uh, how the Lord has worked on your identity. And so I, I'd be curious to, to see how does he continue to work on that, as Father said, uh, because so many people today in the world, even if they've been Christian, Catholic their entire life, like identity is, is something that is so easily wounded. So I'd oh, be... Yeah curious to maybe have another conversation about that and just continued like how's the lord working in your life this has been uh, a super wonderful wonderful conversation so uh that's all i had father did you have any closing no i uh yeah i'm just grateful tristan that you wanted to come on and share this and again it's it's uh it's all for the lord right to give him the glory for his uh mercy and his grace that's been at work in your story and i'm excited for confirmation so yeah. Me too. Yeah. Cool. Praise God. Right? Yeah. Praise God. So yep. why don't we transition into our one joys? So, Father, did you think of one? I did. I mean, it's a little bit of a cop out, but that's fine. Um, but honestly, it's like uh, Tristan and our two other young adults who are receiving sacraments um, this Divine Mercy Sunday weekend. Um, there's just something about when when you get to encounter someone who's just got that fire and like that recent sense of conversion, it just reminds you like the church is still alive and like Jesus is still at work in the church and like bringing people to him. Um, so just getting evangelized myself by seeing Tristan and our other two young adults who um, have their own different stories and their own ways of um, how it is that God has been at work in their lives and, and drawing them closer to him. So just feeding off of that energy has been very life-giving for me. So I'd say that was a joy from recently. How about you, Emma? Uh, So for me, I would say this, uh, this past Wednesday, I drove to Toledo. So went back to the good old great state of Ohio. I'm from Ohio, Tristan. So father gives me our time. So does Mary Kate, like a lot of people do. But anyways, I went down to Toledo for uh, a holy hour and dinner with some sisters. Uh, it was just, it was a beautiful, blessed time. And so I was very grateful. Definitely a lot of laughs. Uh, and so I would say that was my uh, one joy for the week. And I also have one for Mary Kate, who is our other host on the, the podcast. Uh, they, Her and her husband, Jason, got approved for a house and their offer was accepted. And so they are moving soon. Not entirely sure when, uh, but it's a great joy for them. They're very excited. And uh, so they're busy packing and getting ready to transition. So awesome. awesome. House party. Woo. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, my joy, I kind of already mentioned it. So I kind of already, um, you know, revealed it. But it was really just going to mass this, uh, this Thursday with um, my boss and seeing Father George and kind of it was just a small little, it was a, ma- a small, ma- and there's a lady there. She was um, coming in and she's bringing a birthday cake in and I'm sitting there. I got there way early, you know, and I'm, and she's, I started talking to her and she's like, um, it was her 87th birthday. And I would have never known. She was just totally, she's like saying, oh, you should sing and all these different things. And just, you know, just very nice. I felt instantly welcome, you know, and they, just a wonderful, just wonderful. Mm-hmm. So 
just a great day. And then, uh, yeah, thankful for it. Joy. Praise God. Praise God. Cool. Well, Father, would you be interested in closing us out and giving us your blessing? Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we thank you for um, just blessing this time of conversation today. We thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd who leaves the 99 in search of the one who has gone astray until you find it. We thank you for what you've done in Tristan's life and Emma's life and my own life. We pray, Lord, that through our testimony, um, others may be blessed and come to know you. I guess that you would help us to receive and to enter more deeply into our God-given identities. I ask you to draw more and more people in our spheres, in our communities, in our world to the heart of the Father. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Tristan, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Father, it's always good to see you. So, thank all right. you. Rest your day. Everyone. All right. Until next time, everyone. God bless. Yep. God bless. See you.